Dr. Katrina Fury, a psychiatrist. And I'm Portia Pendleton, a licensed clinical social worker. And And this this is Analyze Scripts, a podcast where two shrinks analyze the depiction of mental health in movies and TV shows. Our hope is that you learn some legit info about mental Mm -hmm. health while feeling like you're chatting with your girlfriends. There is so much misinformation out there and it drives us nuts. And if someday we pay off our student loans or land a sponsorship, like with a lay flat airline or a major beauty brand, even better. So sit back, relax, grab some popcorn and your DSM-5 and enjoy. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Before we get started, we just wanted to leave a little content warning on this episode. We do discuss the topic of suicide. So if that is triggering or unsettling in any way, please skip this episode and we'll see you next week. Otherwise, enjoy. Hi, welcome back to another episode of Analyze Scripts. I'm Dr. Katrina Fury, a psychiatrist. And I'm Portia Pendleton, a social worker. And we are so glad that you are joining us today to talk about You Season 3. I did want to start off by making the big announcement that we are officially live. Yep, we published our first intro episode on Apple Podcasts and Spotify last night. We finalized our cool logo. Thank you, Portia, for all your technical skills. I have no idea how to do that stuff. And we made the official announcement on our Instagrams and Facebook. And so I just wanted to take a minute to, you know, just acknowledge that. And I also noticed that we published our first episode on 2-1-23. And I thought that was kind of cool. Like mm. two plus one is three, 23. I don't know. It doesn't quite, you know, add up. But numerology in there. Yeah, I think so. And then I also just wanted to point out that so far, I think we have like four subscribers, including us. So we have two, <laughs> maybe up to six. And, you know, our Facebook page has grown exponentially. Our followers have tripled from f- four to 12. So I think we're really off to the races. Yeah. And we want, you know, we want, if you're listening back, you know, to this episode, maybe a year from now, like that's, you know, some interesting data, but also (laughs) we really like interacting. So Mm -hmm. if you have questions or if you want more um, specific information on a character or character development, or you have a recommendation for a show that you want to hear about, like, you know, leave us a comment or DM us and we'll, you know, try to figure out a response or maybe even record something. Yeah, that would be awesome. I'm anxious to talk about this. It's so I know, good. Okay. I know. It's so good. So where do we even start, Portia? <laughs> um, I think you had made a 
like a note of the town that we open up in. So, right. So we open up in Madre Linda, which is this, you know, um, suburban town. Um, it seems pretty expensive outside LA where, you know, you, one goes to raise a family. I think actually, I think they were in LA season two. And then I think they moved to Northern California. Oh, okay. I I feel like it, this is supposed to maybe be like Palo Alto Mm. or like some of those. California is a big state. (laughs) Yes. Like some of those ritzy towns outside Mm -hmm. of Silicon Valley. That was the vibe I got. Um, but yeah, near the it, it took me all the way until rewatching this season at the very end for me to realize they named the town Madre Linda. And I thought, oh my God, that means mother. Um, and so we looked it up um, and it means beautiful mother. And I thought that was, again, really interesting touch by the writers given uh, Joe's background with his mom, mm-hmm. Love's background with her mom, yep. and now their experience as parents. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we, we see them kind of living suburban life um with their new baby henry which was a big shock to joe he yes. was hoping for a girl um so what are what are your thoughts about you know those early attachments we see play out between love and joe and baby henry it seems like love is you know able to connect super fast you mm-hmm. know she's really um seeming nurturing to henry um, it appears that there's a bond developed um, you don't really see any signs at least outwardly of mm-hmm. any you know postpartum maybe with her just exhaustion right um and then some interpersonal arguing between the two which i would totally say is very normal, normal. right um <clears throat> but i'm you know i i think joe had such a big reaction to it not being a girl mm. and that was very interesting um yeah. what do you think I found that really interesting, too. And I did have this, like, hope watching Love with baby Henry. Like, maybe this will be what saves her. Like, Mm -hmm. this fantasy, like, oh, the baby will save her. She's, you know, she's going to turn it around. Um, But, yeah, Joe was almost angry when the boy came out a boy instead of a girl. I think he even says that at one point. Mm -hmm. Like, we were supposed to have a girl. Um, And I, you know, that got my wheels turning. And I was wondering, you know, what is it about having a boy? Is it? You know, he's worried it's it's more similar to him. Does he feel competitive with the baby for attention or or kind of like what's what's going on? Why did he f- seem so much more open to being the father of a girl rather mm-hmm. than a boy? Right. And it really shows that Joe is struggling to be a parent like right away. Like first yeah. we see the reaction of him not wanting a boy. Right. As, and it's like, OK, like maybe you wanted, you know, a, a girl. That's fine. We can yeah. you know have a gender disappointment's yeah. a real thing. Yeah. But then, you know, things kind of continue to play out and there's right. no attaching going on. He's very right. nervous. He's very um, distant. Doesn't know what to do. Yeah. Right. And I, I started thinking like, hmm, does Joe have some degree of postpartum depression or is this what it would be like for someone with sociopathic, psychopathic traits to try to connect to a vulnerable infant? You know, we've seen him form these connections with vulnerable People like uh, Paco and Ellie in the past, but again, it was more to sort of like feel like the good guy. But with his own infant, it sounds like it's he's really struggling to mm-hmm. form any kind of emotional connection. It's almost like he doesn't know how to. Mm-hmm. Um, and granted, that that's really hard when you first have a newborn. You know, many newborns all they do for like three months is cry at you. You don't get a lot of feedback back to sort of validate that you're doing a good job or you're meeting their needs or things like that. You can get the snuggles and things like that. Um, but it's it's pretty normal for a lot of new parents to struggle with that. Um, but I did, you know, want to use this opportunity to just talk a little bit about postpartum depression, especially since postpartum mental health issues are sort of being actively talked about in the news media at the time that we're recording this episode. So postpartum depression is the most common complication of childbirth beyond any medical complication. Um, And, uh, you know, in women, up to 15% of all women, so one in seven will experience postpartum depression, which is pretty shocking. Like that's a really high number. And with statistics, I'm always like, and who's not reporting? A hundred percent. That's a great point, Portia. Exactly. Um, Usually you think that the actual rate's probably higher. Um, And dads, eight to 10% of dads will experience this. So that's less than women, but not that much less. That's actually pretty high. Um, You know, and and so for in women, it's, it's most commonly picked up in the first three months postpartum, especially, you know, around 
four weeks. Um, you know, it's really common for women to experience the baby blues the first two weeks after having a baby related to all the hormone shifts, but that usually clears up. But if by four weeks, the woman's still exhibiting signs, you start to think about that. Um, there's not clear diagnostic criteria for men, um, but it is thought to, you know, be something you want to think about if the dad is having trouble connecting to the baby, if he's really irritable, having a restricted range of emotions, coming across as depressed or anxious or kind of avoiding being around the baby. Um, and again, it is also normal that it takes time to bond with your infant. There's this sort of Hollywood depiction that, you know, the baby comes out and you just mm -hmm. get this gush of love and it's like nothing you've ever felt before. And sure, a lot of parents and women experience that, but a lot don't. And that doesn't mean, you know, you're going to go on to have postpartum depression. It can take time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so just some some little facts to think about it. And, and that can be diagnosed up to a year after delivery for both men and women. Okay. And for more information, you just did a um, interview. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So I did. Um, I was asked to be interviewed for an article that should be coming out uh, soon, I think, in Newsweek. Um, that's more focused on postpartum psychosis, but I did include some information mm -hmm. about that. So, yeah, definitely, um, you know, check that out. And if, if you know, you want to read more about it, I'd say some good resources are things like Postpartum Support International. You know, this all kind of happens early on, uh, you know, episode one. Again, it's like so much is jammed into these episodes mm -hmm. where, we, you know, we we're kind of going through it and just, you know, really trying to highlight things that we wanted to talk about. But, you know, so by much. the end of episode one, um, Joe has already, you know, um, kissed Natalie, the neighbor. Yes. So, like, he's already, you know, doing his thing. Um, there seems like there's a new obsession. And that actually showed up, like, at the very end of season two when they were moving into the house. Mm -hmm. He sort of, like, looked through yep. the fence and was like, hello, yep. you, again, that creepy mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. So she, I mean, and all, inappropriate, I, I thought, you know, very, very soon. And even from her, you know, she comes over, it, it seems like there's some flirting and then she gives him condoms, which I don't know. I mean, felt weird. Um, yeah. And again, inappropriate. They're not close. They're not friendly. You know, she's not sharing information with a close friend, you know, to be careful about, you know, pre accidental pregnancy right away. Right, right. Um, so that kind of, you know, was a Cross message to Joe mm -hmm. that, you know, she wants something to do with him. Right. Um, and someone like him could certainly perceive it that way, mm -hmm. even if sure, maybe that's her sense of humor. We don't really know because we don't right. know her well yet, but he could take that as like, mm -hmm. oh, this is an invitation. Yep. It's that like magical thinking. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm getting all these signs out there that's, mm -hmm. you know, that are instructing me to move forward th with this. It makes it okay. Right. Yeah. So end of episode one, we see love <laughs> um, kill Natalie. Um, and, and again, this like passionate rage she, she finds the box right um, he had started keeping another box mm -hmm. of trinkets which again yep. is part of his mo he had one for all of his previous obsessions i think including love mm -hmm. um so, so i forget where love found it but she finds it and realizes what's going on and this is where love's big you know big belief that she'll do anything to protect her family. That's mm -hmm. sort of her uh, mantra throughout the whole season comes into play. And, and she manipulates Natalie into showing her this space for a bakery, yep. thinking that maybe, you know, she doesn't just want to be a stay-at-home mom. Maybe she wants to return to cooking and baking and then kills her. And one of my favorite lines of the whole show comes at the end of that episode where she calls him, you know, Natalie dead on the floor, blood everywhere, I think weapon in her hand. And she says something like, Joe, I think we need to go to couples mm -hmm. therapy. <laughs> yep. And you're like, wow, that's that's great. Well, Maybe a little earlier, but yeah, right. um, <laughs> no time like the present. I guess so. So the couples therapy, I thought, as a whole was really good. I feel mm -hmm. like we got a lot out of it. Um, you know, obviously some parts were, you know, Hollywood, mm -hmm. but other, I just thought it was really, really helpful. The yeah, one I'm so thing, curious to hear your thoughts. Um, that I think they ultimately, like, um, I wouldn't say got wrong, but it's like, it's, it's problematic that they are not 
being honest and i know why but Mm -hmm. but it's like you know if if we're not honest with our therapist about what's really going on um and maybe we're not ready to or maybe we think that there would be a repercussion or we're trying to keep someone else safe or we murdered someone and we could you know go to but actually i think in the past right true so this is where it gets murky as a therapist Mm -hmm. um sort of the ethical guidelines about there are certain situations Right. Where if your patient confesses to, I guess, confess is not the right word, but shares with you about something they've done in the past. If there isn't an imminent threat to someone right. else, I think you hold on to right. it. Right. Yep. Um, I haven't personally had that come up before, mm-hmm. but I remember learning that in my training and thinking like, wow, gosh, I hope that never comes up. Yeah. I think it's really just like imminent risk. Um, and I, I'm, I wish that I had looked this up before the episode, but, um, the case where this was Tarasov. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, at that time, this wasn't, you know, an ethical consideration. Like right. it wasn't, you know, a, a, something that you learned about. It wasn't a law. It wasn't anything like that. So um, providers in the past, you know, I feel like it was really just like discretion or you weren't really supposed to share anything. But now mm-hmm. it's like, you know, if there is imminent risk, we ask that all the time, at least at upon mm-hmm. first assessment or then, mm-hmm. you know, if you know it's an ongoing issue, we're constantly checking in with safety for, you know, your patient mm-hmm. and people around them. Right, right. Um, but, you know, really not breaking confidentiality unless there is an imminent right. threat. So this – you know, based on that, this doesn't feel, and again, based on what they have said to the therapist, um, she'd have no idea they were right, murdered someone. Right. But um, yeah, just to wrap up about Tarasov, because that's a great point to mm-hmm. bring up, you know, the spirit of that law is if as a therapist, you get information that someone else is at risk, then you do have to take the appropriate steps to ensure the safety of that person. So that could mean hospitalizing the patient. There you go. Mm-hmm. It could mean hospitalizing the patient, uh, you know, who's making the threats. And then depending on how treatment in the hospital goes, you know, consult with your legal department and things like that, um, then you might warn the person. It, it really depends. Mm-hmm. These are really tricky uh, moral and ethical situations mm-hmm. to figure out. Um, but, yeah, that's a that's a good thing to bring up. But, again, you know, they're not really – bring up any of that anyway so i love what they say instead so she says he cheated (laughs) Mm -hmm. and um he then says she broke a vase and it's like so i mean they're good metaphors it's it's we know you know what really happened and then they're doing the flashbacks and forth and it's just it's just so perfect because as the therapist you're like okay like you know, she broke a vase. Like, I mean, what's the yeah, big deal? Like, and then he's like, it was an irreplaceable yeah, vase, you right. know, and it can't be put it, back together. It can't be put back mm-hmm. together. Exactly. So in one of the um, flashbacks, love, um, while she, well, when Joe comes into the basement and is like, what did you do? Um, you know, she's screaming back. I didn't plan this. I'm not a psychopath, which I thought right. was like, there it is. There it is. I know. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like right on with what we had talked about at the end of our last episode. And I also loved that scene because like, if you take the murder out of it, they just perfectly depicted the tension between couples when you have a really young baby, right? Mm-hmm. Like Henry's crying, Yep. you know, you know, you're trying to figure something out. You can't quite communicate with each other because you're both distracted by the baby. You're both like totally exhausted and stressed out. And I just loved how at the end she was like, you know what? I'm going to take our baby because obviously you don't want to spend time with him as he's trying to like figure out what to do with the body. Um, So again, I just love this show for, for, for things like that Mm -hmm. um, because it can depict something so normal, like those interactions, going to couples therapy, what it's like, Mm -hmm. And also what's really going on is just so like ridiculous. No, totally. And I, so another thing that I think the therapist does well is um, that she is able to kind of immediately sense almost the dynamic. So at one point Mm -hmm. she does say to love as love, you know, it's quickly responding. She's very engaged love. I'm, I'm assuming probably her parents have put her in therapy, whether or not she got anything out of it just seems like a thing to do. You know, you know, you have a therapist, she probably wasn't disclosing. I don't know. She just seemed like she was more, um, kind of like used to therapy or she's the one who was like, we should go to couples therapy. Yeah. So, um, so the therapist interrupts her and is like, no, you know, I want to hear from Joe. Right. And Joe is like, oh, you know, maybe she's sensing, you know, how, it, you know, our relationship right now feels uneven. So that was helpful. And, you know, really couples helpful. therapists do do that. That is important to pick up on right away. You know, the power dynamic and, and trying to offer the person who appears to have less power um, a say. Exactly. By um, saying, you know, when you use we, you 
ignore and don't right. give him space to have his own right. thoughts. And Love was able to take that in. And I thought as the season progresses, there's times where you catch Love like trying to implement the skills, mm-hmm. um, which was great yes. and also kind of funny at the times yeah. that she would try. Mm-hmm. No, totally. <laughs> so they we see, I think, t- two sessions. So then in the second session, they go back. And it seems like, again, there's a lot of like rich um, mm-hmm. potential, <laughs> um, maybe not for Joe, but um, in for growth. So the therapist um, is talking about emotions. Um, how did how was he feeling um, when you know all of this was going on with the vase being broken and, <laughs> and the cheating? Um, and he was able to identify um, rage first, mm. and then the therapist did an excellent job of then kind of diving deeper because rage would be anger, which is like a primary emotion, to the secondary emotion, which is fear. So right, that was often, so good. You know, um, people are really used to saying, you know, I'm sad, mad, um, happy, but it's like, okay, what else can we kind of talk about? I see this a lot, especially with anger, um, that people can really – sometimes that's like the only emotion they're really able to name. Um, And so a lot of work in therapy is done to – work on that say okay so what's underneath the mm-hmm. anger what's causing you to feel this angry about right. her breaking a vase right and and the secondary emotions are often easier than to like process or or try to figure out what you need for example mm-hmm. you know maybe you you are appearing very angry to your partner but you're really um experiencing shame mm-hmm. um or you are jealous mm-hmm. or um feeling like um less than yep or something yep. like so that. So it's like those, that's where we try to work. That's right. where we try to keep people. And again, she's like, stay with the fear as he's having this flashback. Mm-hmm. And this moment, again, I think she aligns them really well that they are both kind of looking at each other in the mirror. Mm-hmm. They have both wild fear of abandonment mm-hmm. issues and they both, you know, deal with that differently. Right. Um, but it's all kind of rooted in the same um same Need. underlying fear, yeah. right? Yep. Exactly. I thought this was a really good depiction of couples therapy overall. I do have to say, I thought it was interesting. They had them go to a female couples therapist, given both of their own love and um, Joe's sort of issues with their mother figures. Mm-hmm. And then I was very worried that Joe was going to be obsessed with this therapist. Ooh, okay. Um, I was like, oh no, he's going to feel heard, mm, yes. and supported, yep. and validated like he's never felt mm-hmm. before. But that didn't happen. So I also thought that was interesting Mm -hmm. that that didn't play out. Yeah. Because initially, you know, they did seem to take love a little bit more, at least we saw from the the session. So um, and and I think what is just a great message is like when you are in a partnership, um, you know, a committed partnership, you are really choosing over and over again to be with this person. Right. You know, it's work. It's hard. And, you know, we're both people at the end of the day who you know, have different needs and, and upbringings and, and thoughts on stuff, but you're choosing to like live with someone and mm-hmm. do everything with them. And of course, mm-hmm. that's going to lead to arguments conflict. and conflict. And she said, you know, why don't you look at it from being on the same team? I loved that. And I was like, that's so great. I love it. I love it. I loved that. Mm-hmm. And I think um, we had written down two specific quotes that, that Dr. Chandra said, um, because we thought they were just really good. The first was right in line with that. You know, she was basically saying you're agreeing to show up for each other every day. Uh, each partner challenges the other, but you're not two opponents, but rather two team members fighting for the same thing. Yeah. And I think that's such a good mm-hmm. way to put it. And then the other quote I thought was really good was in regards to pointing out to love and I guess him, how you, but I think this was more directed toward yes. love about how she can be more reactive rather than responsive. Mm-hmm. And she said, there's a difference between a reaction and a response. The latter is thoughtful, the former impulsive. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, that, yeah. that's great. Um, so again, kudos to the writers. Mm-hmm. And if they had anyone consulting about the couples therapy, yeah. great job. Right. I think overall, like really I give good. it an 8 out of 10. There was a couple mm-hmm. things that it was like, oh, that mm-hmm. feels a little strange mm-hmm. that yeah. all of a sudden, you know, the sex is fucking primal. It was just like, wow, that came out of nowhere. We're not talking about their sex life, which you can. And that's often why people seek couples therapy. But it just felt a little like, all right. A little early, a little uh, intense. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also did appreciate, um, I feel like something I'm noticing, I look at in all these shows, and I'll probably talk about over and over is how do they depict a therapist's office. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I love this. I do love this. And I I really liked her office. I thought it was right on with having the couch for both of them to sit together, but enough room on the couch where Mm -hmm. you can decide how far away you want to be. 
by their, I think it was just their third session when they're like, we're cured. We don't need to mm-hmm. come back, which again, it's like, it's only been three yeah. sessions. They were closer together on the couch. Holding and, hands. Yes. Yeah. And I love that there were no sharp objects yes. that I could see. Yeah. So again, very good yep. job. No sharp yes. objects. That was great. Um, yeah. So, you know, as they decide that their problems are cured, they don't need couples therapy anymore. Again, it is on the heels of their sex life finally kind of mm-hmm. getting more spiced up. Yep. That's another theme throughout this season is them trying to connect sexually and having a really hard time. Mm-hmm. And again, it's kind of icky, right? That the only way that happens is when Joe's thinking about Natalie. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, later, later on, when on, he is with Sherry, he's thinking of Marianne. Mm-hmm. And then I think at the end, um, Right. I think it's the last episode or the one before that they have, you know, the best sex ever. I think when Sherry and Carrie are in the cage. Yes. I think you're right. And it's like, you know, this, this seems to unite them. Really get them Mm -hmm. going. Yeah. And I think in that one, again, he was fantasizing about Marianne and she was fantasizing about Theo. What did you think about this connection between love and Theo? I almost thought that it was like, Theo was a little bit like 40. Yeah. And um, I just, I don't know, like a little lost. Um, he even, I think side by side, they don't look alike, but they just, you know, I, I feel like they do, to, you know, similar mannerisms, maybe yeah. coloring. I, I don't know. I think she just, I was reminded of 40 with Theo. That's so interesting. That didn't cross my mind when I was watching it, but now it totally makes sense to me. I think I kept wondering, how old is Theo? Yes. Is he 18? Is I think he, he was because he's in college. Like, so I he's mean, in college, yeah. but I kept wondering, like, how yeah. old is he? Mm-hmm. You know, you have a baby son now. And, right. Oh, it really gave me, oh, like, yeah. icky vibes. Um, that is really interesting, Portia, to think about him as – Because as, love is so desperate to be yes. – connected with on a physical level mm-hmm. you know very specifically also emotional but i think that is again what she's trying to get from joe yes. you know she makes a dinner she, she starts dressing you know for him and and you know hoping that he'll like it and i think it's like theo is this you know he he thinks love is amazing and right. i think and she like real really needs mom. that you know and mm-hmm. unfortunately she's getting it from an inappropriate connection Right, right. Um, yeah, so there was always, to me, this vibe of like, is this an appropriate attraction mm-hmm. or is this icky? Yeah. And also, again, interesting thinking about, um, you know, the relationship between the au pair and 40 um, and that age difference. Yeah. And I don't know, it was a really fascinating mm-hmm. take on it. Mm-hmm. I think good good little lines, whether they were intentional or not, but right. um, I, I, I hope they were. Right, right. So then another character that, you know, kind of enters and there's a lot of, um, you know, the story kind of circles back around and around and around, and around is Jill. Gil. 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 Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, again, I think, like, we got to pause and just, again, give, like, a round of applause to the writers for, once again, writing just the best supporting characters. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Gil, yep. Sherry, and Carrie will talk about who I just love. And I love that their names rhyme. Mm-hmm. Like, every little detail is so good. I also loved how beautiful their house was and that kitchen was and how beautiful her bakery was. But no one was ever in this bakery. That's mm-hmm. why she could commit such felonious, right. murderous acts. Um, but it was just so pretty. I just wanted to go sit there mm-hmm. and, like – Eat a muffin. Yeah. The birthday party. I mean, that we meet Gil and some of the other Mm -hmm. men and and families and kids at, you know, over the top. um, Just everything you'd think it would be. Right. For Mm -hmm. that sort of type of neighborhood they're trying to portray. And again, her bringing homemade, gluten-free, sugar-free, dairy-free, everything-free but forgets one thing, right? She forgot, you know, there was one allergen in it. And or that's it was, why, or, or she was saying or like the there's sugars. sugar and sprinkles yeah, sugar. or like mm-hmm. something, you know, just trying to win the affection and validation from Sherry, right. who seems to be like, uh, running the town, mm-hmm. this mom fluencer. I thought she was such a good depiction of, of mom fluencers that yeah. we see, you know, on social media these days. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, with, with Gil, we really see him as sort of this like meek, like nice guy it kind of reminded me of like flanders from the simpsons maybe just sort of you know bopping along nice little guy um and then he really sort of takes a center role when it comes 
you know, when we come to find out that he and his wife didn't vaccinate their children and Henry gets measles and is hospitalized. Mm -hmm. And that's really scary for both Love and Joe. I thought that was really interesting, especially when we consider that this season was shot after COVID pandemic lockdown and there was so much out there mm-hmm. about vaccinations and, and, and things like that. Um, so I just thought that was an interesting detail. Yeah. And then again, we see love passionately, passionately impulsively, impulsively mm-hmm. bludgeon someone. Yep. Um, yeah. So what, tell me more about, about, you know, what you think about Gil. So I think that, you know, it's, it's, he is just another person that like, unfortunately has fallen into their path, you know, like yes. he, 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 you know, has the the ability to have his own decision about make, you know, choosing how the healthcare for his children and that unfortunately for love and Joe and unfortunately you know, for Gil, I know, um, it was just his death sentence, you know, yeah. and I think, you know, love had, uh, could have been very angry and yelled at him and, you know, been very upset. And that would have been probably a relatively normal response, but instead, yeah. you know, she takes it to that extra level where he gets hit in the head, breaks another yep. vase. Yep. But this one is not yet. Not totally. Yeah. It could be put back yep. together Yep. at this point. So they put him in the cage. They don't really know what to do. They're trying to figure out a way um, so that they can release him. So they're trying to dig up some blackmail. Right. And they, they have a really hard time initially doing that. So they're, they're like, Oh no, like this, he actually isn't that bad. Right. I think he was like, I, flirted with someone or kissed someone else in college Mm -hmm. or something like really mild and they're like oh no this dude exactly so then they do find out that his son um has a history and and maybe currently um is a sexual predator and um and he didn't realize this he didn't realize it was still going on or i think he thought that it was um stopped or yeah remember they they sort of like shove the evidence on the outside of the cage so he can see Mm -hmm. and it was basically some proof that they had made a big donation to this college and i think what they thought was that it was again like some of those celebrity parents who were in the news last year sort of making donations or or doing other things to get their kids into these Mm -hmm. schools i think that's what they thought it was and then we come to find he sort of you see the um understanding across his face and he this actor does a really good job in that point realizing like oh no my wife or someone did this to protect him i thought it was over Mm -hmm. i can't believe this happened i can't believe another girl was harmed by him and he feels so guilty shame i mean and 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 i think this is a good example of um like kind of suicide in the absence of this Um, Major depressive disorder. Right. Right. So we see Gil just feeling really guilty, really ashamed, really overcome by these overwhelming emotions while he's trapped in a cage, not really knowing if he's going to survive or get out. Um, And I I agree, Portia, this is a good depiction of um, a suicide that, uh, you know, can occur. And and again, most suicides, unfortunately, do occur in cases like Mm -hmm. this where he hasn't been struggling with depression for a while or been engaged in any treatment, but something acutely stressful and overwhelming happens and he feels hopeless. Like Mm -hmm. there's no other way out. Um, So that was really sad to see. Um, Love and Joe didn't look all that sad. Mm -hmm. They kind of looked like, Oh no, how do we clean this up again? It's sort of all about them. Right. Right. And then they go on to frame him for Natalie's death. You know, they write the letter Mm -hmm. um, and they, you know, they think that they have this perfectly tied bow around this, this problem that was for them. And that, you know, and you know, us watching are like, there's two deaths, you know, it's not this little mess that you cleaned up. So yeah, I thought, um, you know, I thought it was worth mentioning Gil. It was just, you know, sad and, like a, a, a helpful storyline there to just right. depict someone who is feels like they are pushed to the edge, right? 100%. There's no turning back. Um, there's nothing that they can do or they think there's nothing that they can do to make something better. Right, exactly. And again, you know, wrapping up uh, with Natalie and Gil, again, we see Love and Joe trying to participate in the search efforts. We kind of touched on that last time about how sometimes the perpetrator will insert themselves mm-hmm. into these types of situations. Um, not really to help, but maybe to try to plant evidence like love and right. Joe were trying to do or to sort of keep involved or, you know, stay involved in um, how much other people know mm-hmm. to see if they're going to get away with it. Right. Right. So so Joe is also um, off the hook 
from um, planting evidence on Matthew. So this all kind of, again, yeah. is happening at the same time. Joe um, actually, like, gets very ill and passes out or he something. He gets measles, too. Yep. Again. And he thinks initially that I think he was um, the reason that Henry got sick. I think he does think yeah. that, too. The plan before they knew that was where Henry got measles was that Joe was going to bring the scarf he mm-hmm. had, um, again, because like a creep, he pocketed it right. when he was over there. Um and kind of plant it in, in mm-hmm. somewhere to, to implicate Matthew, her husband, and Theo's dad, um, or Theo's stepdad. But he has this, like, fever dream. Matthew finds him and mm-hmm. eventually lets him go. And right. then Joe has a change of heart. Right. I think he, he gives takes, him advice. Yeah. He's like, you know, people are looking at you and thinking that you're, you know, it's the husband. You know, you need to make a statement. And then right. he does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. I always thought, like, why? Why? Right. Why did he do that? Yeah. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah. Again, was it that shred of maybe <laughs> empathy? What do you think, Portia? You've always been so um, optimistic about this. I don't know. Maybe it's even transactional. Like Matthew helped Joe, mm. brought him back to the house. So now Joe will help him. And now it's like he doesn't owe him anything. Oh, I love that take on it. Oof. I love that take. I think it's definitely more in line with something like that than any shred of empathy. Because I don't think he would hit, like, it doesn't make sense. I feel like, you know, I see maybe a string of empathy with, like, the younger children or you see himself <laughs> and that's where he seems to be his his most, if if any, emotional self. But with Matthew, it doesn't feel like that. It just feels like, I don't know, like, why yeah. would he see himself in Matthew or why would he? Right. Yeah. And yeah, so I like that idea about transactional. And then it also gives him something to say to love. Like she's disappointed he didn't plant the evidence, but then he says something like, Matthew's a good guy. We can't do that. And I think that was one of the times where she said something totally outrageous, like, yeah, we're better than that. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not those kind of people. Like every now and then throughout the season, especially the last yeah. episode where Sherry and Carrie are in the cage and she keeps saying like, God, you people are really nuts. Like mm-hmm. you guys are really nuts. And you're just like, Whoa. Love. Yeah. Look at the mirror, girl. Yeah. No, absolutely. So you um you love I Sherry love and Carrie. Sherry and Carrie. I love that they're names. How can right? you not? Oh my God. Mm-hmm. They're just such over the top top depictions of like this mom influencer. And then I don't know what Carrie does, but he is into himself. He's probably like a personal trainer mm. or something, right? What did you think about Sherry? I know you had a lot to say about um, some of the body shaming at the beginning. Yeah. So I think initially Sherry is really portrayed in a way that like, you know, she's she's a clear um, like mean girl right off the top. Yes. Like I think it's like initially I didn't like her. You know, she's running the town. You have to get her approval. Stabbing everyone um, in the back. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Talking about um, Theo hears her talking about his mom, you know, mm. um, when they're searching the woods and like, know. you know, then Theo confronts her as he should, you know, that was really hurtful. And then love initially, I think it's like, you know, that the party in episode one or two where she overhears Sherry talking about 40 mm. and then love confronts her, which is why then they're like, well, now your bakery is never going to take off because mm-hmm. Sherry hates you. Right. Right. Um, so I think, you know, they, they portray Sherry in a way that's just like super surface, um, 
only looking out for herself. Mm-hmm. Um, Very manipulative. Yep, manipulative and and mean. Um, but there, then there's so much more that comes out. And I just think it's so interesting how you could not like someone in, in a show. And then just a few episodes later, like you really be rooting for them. So <laughs> I, I love that. And I know we were talking earlier, you know, like, hmm, I wonder about Sherry's background. Like, why did mm. she develop these defense mechanisms right. and things like that? Um, but yeah, so as, as we get to know Sherry and Carrie and they become more and more, um, active characters mm-hmm. in the show, you know, Carrie takes Joe. On this, like, yep. I don't know if it's like a bro retreat or something. They all like go into the woods. They're gonna like kill their own food. They like mm-hmm. beat on their chest and run around naked. Yeah. Like, it's just you know a way to sort of like get your manhood back or like get it out or something. Mm-hmm. And, and I- Joe, I love Joe during that episode because <laughs> he is just like, oh my goodness, like I. Like where am I? What am going like, on? Like these people are terrifying, and yet he's you know a psychopath who's I killed know, a people. Exactly, yeah. that's what I love is like at those parts, and then other times when loves judging other people, mm-hmm. it's just the cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. is so funny to me. Right, and Joe was like, I want to be in a bookstore reading, not right. like out in the woods beating right. my chest with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was so interesting because I thought it was a really smart depiction of you know, this this psychological defensive mechanism called sublimation, which is where, you know, we all have primal urges, um, but in order to kind of function in society, like without murdering right. people, maybe you become a surgeon. That was like kind of the common uh, example used when I was learning about all the different defense mechanisms. Mm-hmm. And this seems like a really funny but accurate depiction of that. Like instead of, you know, letting all this I guess testosterone fly right. free. You like go on this retreat once a year and let it all out, mm-hmm. and then you can come back. Um, and I think these retreats like really do exist. I wouldn't be surprised. Like I know? remember the Real Housewives of New Jersey, Teresa, her new husband Louie. There was this whole scandal I think last year where there was this video of him, kind of like on one of these retreats. You know, is so. I mean, it, I think these yeah. things exist. Yeah, which makes it even better. Like it just. <laughs> You know, I don't know. I love Carrie. I love Mm -hmm. one of my favorite parts is when they are at um, Love and Joe's home before, you know, Love kind of yells that they killed Natalie. So they're, you know, about to kind of start their new experience with another sexual experience. Yep. Um, Again, continuing to try to spice up the sex life. And it's like the. It's almost like Love's urgency to do this grows with each passing kill mm-hmm. um like she feels like she's losing joe more yep. and more and as he's falling more and more i don't know i was gonna say in love but more like obsessed with mary right right and and i think love is more and more like disgusting to him you mm-hmm. know like i think mm-hmm. he he wants her he he likes his women you know who he has the obsessions with why to be initially like kind of passive oh yeah vulnerable and love is you know now she can't the be controlled that yeah can't control a hundred percent portia so anyway i interrupted you you were talking about one of your favorite scenes oh yeah so um so carrie invites joe to participate in kind of the the initiator for him before they are with another couple. Mm-hmm. And so um, Carrie, you know, takes his clothes off. He's telling Joe, just look at it. Like, look at my dick. Yeah. And Joe's like, okay. Oh, kind of sca- you so see him scanning down and he's like, you know, quickly. And then Carrie's like, look at it. Like, no, look at it. And Joe's like, oh my gosh, the thing, you know, the things I will, I do for, for you, you, but Mary it's Marianne. Right. right. So then you see Carrie masturbating in front of the mirror and Joe's like, of course, you know, he is, what does he say? He's Carrie sexual. Yes. Um, And I loved that. But also like in a funny way, in a very like endearing way, ironically, I was like, Carrie is so in touch with himself. Right. Like he is not judging himself. He is not ashamed. He knows what works. He, you know, him and Sherry seem very sex positive. Right. They're very, you know, they, they have the documents. They have boundaries. Yep. Yep. Um, Consensual. Like, I mean, it's just, you know, as as silly as it almost came about, it was like, great. Right. He's like, this is what works for me. This Mm -hmm. is how I get going. And like, I'm just going to look at myself. And you're like, wow. But like you're saying, they're quite self-aware about some of these things. And, you know, in the final episode where they're in the cage, I could watch that over and over and over, hearing them use, like, you can tell they've been to couples Mm -hmm. therapy, like when she's um, trying to fix his wound or something. Yeah, use the colored flag. Yeah, she's like, honey, I'm going to have to bring us down to a purple flag. I feel like you're not appreciating Mm -hmm. me right now. Mm -hmm. And he, like, takes a deep breath and he's like, 
honey, I hear where you're coming from. You know, that really hurt. Oh, she was putting like a pad on or something to stop yep. the bleeding. That that really hurt me, but I didn't want to hurt your feelings. And she's like, you know, I'm going to, I'll bring us back up to a green one. He's like, no, I want to stay in the purple one. And then yeah. he says, I need you to change it. It's it so really good. hurts. And it's just, it's so good. again, it seems silly, but when you are, when you and your partner are in a really poor place of communication, you have to sometimes rely on these techniques to yeah. get back to being respectful, right. to listening, right? To being responsive, not reactive, like we heard before, 100%. like you were saying. So, you know, while it's silly, you see it work. And it's working when they're in a cage. Exactly. Like, in a what high is, stress. Right. Like, what's mm-hmm. the, you know, and I don't know. I just loved that depiction of them in the cage. I want to watch that TED Talk. I want yeah. them to have a spinoff about the mm-hmm. TED Talk. I want to, like, keep getting to know Sherry and Carrie. Yeah. So writers... Yeah. If you're listening mm-hmm. and you want some help writing the next spinoff of Sherry right. and Carrie, like give us a call. <laughs> totally. And and I think too, it's it's now when you start to really, really root for specifically Sherry. I think I started to see her totally as like a survivor. Oh my you know, god. Like she she immediately was kind of switching um between obviously, you know, wanting to maybe, you know, kill love <laughs> because she put her in a cage to, oh, I'm your friend. Like trying to align with her. She's so smart. So smart. She knows exactly so what she's doing. Um, she I was just, like using the manipulation yep. uh, like appropriately right. to survive. Right. Um, yeah, I totally agree. And I feel like just that's why she is the way she is. You know, I don't, I don't feel like it's, you know, I think she still can be mean, you know, and was, but I don't know. I just, I love her. And it kind of like, mm-hmm. as you're saying that, Portia, I'm thinking like, I bet there's some abuse in her background. Sure. So maybe she learned how to be like that to yep. survive. To be liked. Right. To like be in popular. her childhood mm-hmm. to like get out of yep. whatever situation she came from. Um, I totally agree. It was such a smart depiction of that. The actress and the actor, they did such a good mm-hmm. job and um, sort of displaying like the strife between them as things were getting more and more dire. And then again, we see love, I think in that level of distress, like opening up to Sherry and thinking like she is really there for Mm -hmm. her and sign up, like looking to her for help. Right. When she put her in a cage. Right. It's wild. It is. Totally. I think you see like love's unraveling. Totally. You see her coming undone. Like she, the more, you know, every minute in those last few episodes, it is just like on the edge of your seat. Yeah. And even like we were talking about last time, you know, how sociopaths are more likely to get caught because they behave impulsively, passionately without planning. Mm -hmm. Like she said, I'm not a psychopath, Joe. Like when she's in the very first episode, you see that happening with love. And it's like her path of destruction is like a volcano that keeps erupting and she can't control it anymore. Mm -hmm. And she's just like unraveling before her eyes and and really struggling. Um, So I thought that was also a good depiction of that. Yeah. She almost so, has like breaks from reality. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I think one of the things where she is kind of pulled back is when Marianne comes over, right? She like has Marianne come over, texts her from Joe's phone. Marianne oh. comes in. She It's so clear. And, and it, it's a oh. little bit more planning. You know, it's so clear that love is going to kill Marianne in front of Joe, who oh. is like paralyzed by the aconite. So we think. Um, oh, right. Oh, my gosh. My heart I know. I'm just like, I know. Um, I, I need to. Oh, God, I need <laughs> so Marianne comes in and, lo- and loves ready. You know, she has it behind her back. And then knock, knock, knock. Marianne's daughter comes in and love. You see her like almost. It's almost like she could pass out. Like, yeah, she it's can't that, believe it. You know, strong. It's like she almost wakes up. Like, what am I doing? Like, what's happening? Exactly. I can't believe I just did that. And again, I I literally, Portia, have full body chills as Mm -hmm. we're talking about this right this moment. Again, I think there's something about the mother child bond. And again, as like psychologically damaged as love is and has become with this relationship with Joe, Mm -hmm. there is a part of you that feels like she's doing all of this to try to win his affections and And have a keep her family together. Mm -hmm. And she just lost her brother. Yep. Oh my God. We didn't even touch on her mom, like driving drunk with the baby and just, Oh, we really learn a lot about the mom that Mm -hmm. helps us really understand where love, you know, came from. Right. Um, But love does have a connection to her son. She does love him. Mm-hmm. She tries to be there for him. Um, so I think there's something about seeing Marianne's daughter yep. that makes her relate to Marianne mother to mother and is like, I can't take away mm-hmm. this girl's parent. Right. Um, 
And I thought that scene between love and Marianne, where Marianne's like, why don't you leave? Oh, my God. Yep. And I think oh. it's almost like, I, I almost feel like if if love was a robot, like all of her, <laughs> all of the gears would be like malfunctioning all of a sudden, right? It's yeah. like she's having this, you know, glitch, glitch going on and on yes. about, you know, not killing her. And then maybe even thinking like, oh, like, well, should like, maybe I could, like, I don't even think maybe if she goes that far, but it's like Marion brings up this idea. Why don't you leave? Right. And she's like, it's not that simple right. for me. And also just be- given, you know, Mary Ann's background um, and with her ex who clearly has been abusive mm-hmm. and continued to be abusive until Joe, you know, killed him, took right. care of it for Marianne, which she did not ask for, was not wanting. Right. Um, you know, I, again, I just think it really highlights the struggle with domestic violence situations. Again, mm-hmm. this I think is like domestic violence on steroids. Sure. There's like so much going on, but it really points to how hard it is in those situations. It's not that simple to just leave, especially right. like with his child. Um, such a good scene. And then we were both, I think, shook when that Taylor Swift song came yes. out. Oh my God. So it is a, oh. it is a favorite of mine. I am. I feel like, you know, I'm in the levels of Swifties. I'm not mm-hmm. up there. Like I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I, but I love Taylor Swift and mm-hmm. I love that song. Oh, so when it came it really on, like gets you in your feelings. It is the perfect song. Perfect. Like, oh my Which goodness. Says, like we've been here before. Yep. And it's like, oh my God, we yep. haven't been here before. Yep. What's he going to do to her? The tone of the song. <sighs> it's just, it's such a fabulous song and it was, it's the perfect, perfect. song for that moment. So I, I got teary. Me you know, too. I was very emotional and which I hadn't been in season one or two. I think, you know, I was excited or, yeah. or was scared in a moment, but I was overwhelmed. Like heartbroken. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like basically to sum it up again, I don't know. I think everyone will understand by now we have spoiler, like we just spoil the show. So like, don't listen to this <laughs> till after you've watched it. But, you know, so she, you know, has decided she's got to kill Joe. She decided a while ago because she's growing that aconite right. in the yard. Um, I don't know about aconite. So I'm just going to take them for their word. Mm-hmm. The writers do a good job. So I bet this is accurate. But anyway, she makes roast chicken for him, which was like the first thing she ever cooked yeah. for him, you know, getting him to feel like this is like a romantic dinner. He asks for a divorce. Okay, we're back. We're Um, back. We just had our, I don't know if I'd say first, but first major technical snafu where our podcasting equipment just shut off. Yeah, my uh, my heart was racing, but I was trying not to be reactive. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Just like we were talking about trying to say... Oh my God, I hope we didn't just lose our whole episode. And thankfully we didn't. No phew. So, you know, we're we're diving right back into where we left off, mm-hmm. which is because we are professionals. Yeah, that's what we do. Yes. We are in the moment of overwhelming feelings, <laughs> watching Taylor Swift, song. Taylor Swift song. I just can't exile, you know, with Bon Iver, Bon Iver um is so good. So anyway, Joe grabs the knife, which love has put aconite on it somehow on it which should paralyze you right but she said you know this comes out where she's like this is how i killed my first husband i didn't mean to i was shocked i know right i didn't mean to i just wanted to like slow him down for a minute Mm because he wanted to divorce me and now i'm going to slow you down i got the dose right right. don't worry planful so this to me was like whoa okay Mm -hmm. i'm shifting how i see you right Mm -hmm. right and it's like has all of this you've just like slid into psychopathy or was it always there Mm -hmm. oh it's so good so then Joe's just like laying there paralyzed. Uh, she goes to pick up the baby and she goes to drop off some cupcakes. Matthew comes by. Matthew comes by. And oh. Um, oh, we didn't even get to touch on the fact that Love tried to kill Theo. Mm. He survived. And then Joe didn't kill him. Right. Joe like drops him off at the hospital. And, and so this is my question, because now looking back, because obviously, you know, you didn't know this then, but like Joe knew that Mm -hmm. love was growing aconite we find out and that's why he makes the um pill you know he finds what the adrenaline and carries like sex right just in case so he has that on him and and he was planful enough or or could read love enough to know that you know she was kind of unraveling maybe he needed this so i'm wondering if he takes her um theo to the hospital because he already knows that this will all land on love i mean that's a theory but like otherwise i have no idea why like like how 
Theo mm. knows way too much. Like I know. way too much. So yeah. why is he letting him live? He's not a child. Right. So I I don't know if he just kind of knew what was the writing on the walls, knew what was coming and and knew that, you know, love would just be blamed or knew that he was going to disappear. I don't know because I don't see any reason that why he would he let him done survive. Do you think it's like in that moment when Theo's laying there, it was almost like Theo had up until that point thought it was all Joe. Thought like Joe's running this, mm, loves the right, victim, right. she's trapped, we got to get yep. out of here, we got to run away together. And then like in that moment when he like wiggles in the body bag and Joe lets him out, he said, I thought he said something like, I see it now, it's all her, it's not you. Maybe that appealed mm, yeah. to his narcissism yep. enough where he was like, okay, I'll save you. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That was a, a surprise yeah. twist for me. Um, oh, but then, you know, love wanted to kill Marianne in front of him. Oh my God, she doesn't. And these, this last episode, she has so many good lines where she's like, the things that you drive me to insanity, mm-hmm. Joe, I was just about to do this, you know, like, right. can't believe it. Burr, 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 burr. No responsibility, no responsibility. Right. It's just so it's just, again, these are the kinds of things you might say to your partner or spouse in the heat of a big fight. Like, oh, it's all your fault. You're mm-hmm. driving me to act like this. And it's just funny. And ridiculous. Yeah, watching from the outside, it's like, it's just so ridiculous. You know, and this is a silly um, thing that there's a commercial on TV where I don't know what it's for, um, but it's so funny. So it's like a couple fighting typically, Uh and then it's about football. So they ask for the instant replay to like show who, whose fault it was. And my partner and I always like kind of joke about that at the end of our argument. I'm like, oh, I wish we could have the replay right now. Yes. Um, Because I'm right, you know, ha ha ha. Yes. Um, That's like, again, the Real Housewives, mm -hmm. if you haven't picked up on it, I'm a major fan. I feel like it's contributed to all I know about psychiatry, but um, maybe not all I know, but a lot. when they go to the reunion and they right. show the tape and then you're like, ha ha, right. you're wrong, you're yep. right, da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That would kind of be. So like- from the outside, it always <laughs> is silly, which yes. I think if you can take a step back, that's a, humor is helpful, you know, when yes. communicating And like with a others. lot of their fights, you know, disagreements throughout the whole season between Love and Joe, if you just took the murder out and just listen to the fight, like that's how mm-hmm. couples fight, right. especially like after the birth of your totally. first child. So it's just so good. Again, mm-hmm. writers, like, I would love to give you an award. Bravo. Yeah. Um, it was just excellent. And so Love is, like, sharpening her knife. I don't know if she's going to cut Joe up or something. And then he stabs her with that, real acne. Yep. Like, he yep. made his own solution. Which is Wolfsbane. Is that what it is? Yeah, I mean, I... I just think it's funny that, like, Aconite is Wolfsbane. Because they used to say, I wolf you, <laughs> mm-hmm. too. Remember these writers? They are geniuses. Mm-hmm. Geniuses. Um, and then he's like, I knew this was going to happen, you know, so I took adrenaline before. That and he's part- just talking to love. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, it's happening. Oh, my gosh. She's it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when she dies. Yep. And then, again, soon – that Taylor Swift song comes He burns on. the house down. But before he does that, yes. before he does that, Portia, he, thank God, drops this baby off with that couple. Like, oh, my gosh. Thank God. Yes. That is the greatest gift he could give his son. And so on some level, he knows that. Mm-hmm. Like, on some level, he knows. And thank God he did that. Oh, my God. Oh, gives me gives me chills makes my microphone fall all the things but. and he cuts off his toe right yeah so that's that what I'm you saying. think that he's still they think that he's oh. dead right so and then left he sent the email out as love again yep. which we saw him do with beck yep um yeah he drags her i thought this was a nice detail oh. into the kitchen her favorite place yep. he bakes this like chicken pot pie cuts off his toes <laughs> puts him in the I pie know. And then, like, lights the house on fire and leaves. And, and it, again, the song in the background, it's oh, like there's a little bit of slow flames. motion. Oh, it's oh, so good. You see the uh, pen. We'll just call him that because we are, like, friends now after all of this analysis. The way he's, like, you know, trying to cut off his toes mm-hmm. and taking so long. You're just – you're feeling it. Yeah. Like, man, that's really going to hurt. And just, again – the intricate planning. And not everyone can do that, right? No. So it's like, again... Who can cut your own toes right. off, Portia? And it and it's all because, right, of the of the plan. It's like he is capable of things that other people are not because yes. he... Is a psychopath, right. Portia. Yes. And even, like, you could just burn the house down. You don't... You could just cut your toes off. But then you make a pie, mm-hmm. put them in the pie, 
you really want love to be seen yes. a certain way. That yep. is his final act mm-hmm. of getting it over on her. Yep. Oh. Anyway, you can tell how I yes. feel. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that is all happening. And then one of our favorite moments, which we already talk- talked a teeny bit about, but is when you finally see, so Carrie and Sherry are working together. They are oh. both now grazed um, by each Sherry's other. Sherry's ear is missing. Yep. His, um, Carrie's leg. And they're, they're kind of at the end. You know, she slaps him to stay awake. I need oh. a flag. I need and a you flag. Are like, oh my God, he's going to die. I know. And at this point, you're rooting for them so much. Like, um, <sighs> and they, and they see the key. They see the keyhole in the other side. So they start looking for the key. They're oh like, there God. has to be a key in here. Sherry thrown that flower around. I was like, go yep. find that key. Yep. Find that key. They see and then it. They do. You can see oh. Carrie points to it and she's like, oh, freaks out. And then you see them doing their TED talk. Oh my God. It's oh, just so perfect. wonderful. Perfect. I mm-hmm. want to listen to that TED talk. And then you see how like some snarky quote unquote friend or frenemy like takes over the bakery, calls it something yep. else. And then these other people developed that test and they named their baby Toxie. You kind of get all these yep. funny um, like updates. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the is. town, which in, in many shows, and it's making me think of the sh- the fictional show, Desperate Housewives. Yes. It's like how everything just moves on. Right, yes. this like horrific, horrific, wild thing happens in your town, and it's just like a just a couple weeks later, back we're, to usual. Not just move on, but now we're profiting off right. of it because right. we're like selling the t-shirts and all this stuff. Exactly. So we didn't touch a, a lot on Marianne this time in our episode because there's so much to talk about. But again, Marianne is like his new obsession. Mm-hmm. Um, she said to him, you know, if she had her way, she would leave with her daughter and go back to this certain place in Paris where she really loved. And again, this is like the parallel where at the end, Marianne's asking love, why don't you leave? And she's yep. like, it's not that easy. Just like for Marianne, it's not that easy. In Joe's psychopathic mind, he makes it easy by killing her ex and she can finally leave. Um, and so he assumes that's where she went. Remember? Right. And so after he's not done with Marianne, he's not done. And he even says like, I tried to call her. Her number was immediately changed. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find her. So he goes to Paris thinking that's where she is, Mm -hmm. thinking that, again, he's like the same. I bet in his mind he's like the savior and she's there waiting for him. Yeah. So so that it ends with him right walking down the street. It follows him really slow. Yep. He's walking, 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 and then he disappears and then it shuts off. So I thought that was interesting because, you know, Beck died, right? Love dies. Karen, he was not obsessed with. Right. And so Marianne, he was obsessed. Or Natalie died. Um, and Marianne, like he's not done. No. So she's not dead. And he he is he's obsessed looking for her. With her. Remember, mm-hmm. like even a, a woman walks into the cafe or restaurant or wherever he's working and he's thinks it's her. Again, mm-hmm. they have the bell dinging. Yep. Um, but it's not her. And so I'm really really worried for Marianne. Mm-hmm. Also really curious to see what happens in season four, which at the time of this recording comes out in a week. Yeah, so exciting. So exciting. So before we, you know, end, what are you most looking forward to about season four? Like, what do you want to oh know? Oh, my God. Oh, I hope Marianne can escape somehow. Like, um, I did watch the trailer and we do see her briefly. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm like really nervous for her. Um, I think like a similar thing's going to happen. Um, I don't know. I'm just really nervous for her. She does have a child, which I think is, is like almost the, um, saving grace, interesting X factor that, Mm -hmm. that gets in the way of, you know, the normally scheduled programming. Right. So I'm wondering if that plays a role in anything, but I, I, you know, thinking about the trailer, I am so curious about like the friend group he gets in involved with, you know, the trailer is wonderful. So if you haven't seen it, definitely watch it, Um, check it out and check out our Instagram because there will be some uh, extra content that we're going to release if we can figure out how. Yeah. We're going to ask each other some (laughs) questions. Um, So definitely head over to our Instagram. It's at analyze scripts. Uh, feel free to email us at analyzescriptspodcast at gmail.com. And um, I guess we'll see you next time. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast and its contents are a copyright of analyzed scripts, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited. Unless you want to share it with your friends and rate, review, and subscribe, that's fine. All stories and characters discussed are fictional in nature. No identification with actual persons, living or deceased, places, buildings, or products is intended or should be inferred. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The podcast and its contents do not constitute professional, mental health, or medical advice. Listeners might consider consulting a mental health provider if they need assistance with any mental health problems or concerns. As always, please call 911 or go directly to your nearest emergency room for any psychiatric emergencies. Thanks for listening and see you next time.